0: Welcome to the Dildorks Dorky Discourse on Sex, Dating, and Masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I'm turning 29 this year. Ooh, that feels like a big number to me. <laughs> Who are you, a friend?
1: I'm Bex. I'm a sex educator and a sex blogger, and you're, 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 you just made me say the sentence, I'm turning 30 this year, <laughs> and I don't think I've said that sentence yet
0: well i'm sorry
1: but though. that's new
0: <laughs> of course that realization upon. Me. i was
1: like oh now, now i have to say this wow and see the thing is i could say something else on topic for the topic of the show but the thing is you told me the topic of the show yesterday so i don't remember it <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that was the only clue i had <laughs> This show is great. Always, always some surprises. Um, yeah. The topic for you and for the listeners sake, is uh, aging and growing up and how that impacts our sexuality and our relationships. Oh, um, yeah. My partner actually just turned 30 last month, but like they have the personality of a grown ass adult, <laughs> mm-hmm. unlike us, who I think are not quite there yet. So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like 30 suits them. Whereas me, I'm like, I really should be a 15 year old girl like that's kind of my vibe I think
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know I feel like there is a part of me like I definitely feel like an adult which is a thing that's new okay um
0: what do you think caused that change
1: the past couple of years um it was I can't explain this without sounding, I don't know, really extra. I don't know. But it (laughs) a lengthening of memory, and it was a moment when I stopped feeling like I was growing up and started feeling like I was aging, which is a thing my therapist said sounded sad, and I don't mean it that way. (laughs) Um, I, like was able to look back at, like, significant chunks of my life that I was like, no, I was, like, that was a moment of my adulthood and that is not a person I am anymore, right? I was able Mm -hmm. to look at, like, significant growth um, that, for me, also I had done on my own, had happened, like, outside of a time where I felt like my parents were raising me.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So, like, I do feel like a grown-ass man in a way I didn't um, a couple years ago. And also, there is a version of adulthood that, I don't know, I guess the version of adulthood that I expected to grow into, or what was sold to me as adulthood,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: still feels like an absolute foreign concept to me. Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, but to be fair, I think that that's a really common experience for queer folks and trans Mm -hmm. folks and also just folks of our generation because like the goalposts have moved the economy has changed such that like we're moving out later some of us um and you know taking longer to get quote-unquote adult jobs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and also you know there have been entire papers written about the idea of like queer temporality like that the way Mm -hmm time passes in queer and trans lives is just different because there are different milestones. And like, if you come out when you're in your mid twenties, maybe you're going to have sort of like a second puberty, emotionally speaking, as well as obviously like trans people can go through like a second puberty, like physiologically. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it makes sense to me now after like therapy and self-reflection that I don't feel like an adult, but like definitely that's been a struggle for me many times (laughs) in my life.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there is certainly a degree of, like, I know who the fuck I am uh, mm-hmm. now in a way that I didn't, even, like, when we started this podcast, mm-hmm. um, that, like, the, this growth from, like, this feeling of not really adulthood into now is probably the length of time of this podcast. We've been do- at this for f- long fucking time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I got interviewed today by a student at the journalism school that I went to um, Mm -hmm. who was writing some kind of article about sex podcasts and stuff. And in that interview, I was just like, wow, damn, like this person would have been my peer a few years ago. And now Mm -hmm. I just feel like and and it's not that she was like, you know, naive or not filled in or anything. It was just like I could feel that our perspectives were different and it had to do Mm -hmm. with stuff that we've been through and uh yeah it's it's really wild to realize that you're aging (laughs) yeah at any age
1: my my mom often talked about like when I was a kid I remember her telling me she didn't realize she was an adult until she was like driving down the streets and and looked at someone and went ah those damn kids wait a minute (laughs) um and that's certainly a thing I do now too. Like I will look at people who are grown ass adults and who I at the time would have been like, I am a gro I am a grown man, you know, like twenty three, twenty four year olds and I look at them and I'm like, Oh, look at that child. Look at that <laughs> Yeah, little beeb. and more than anything that is a projection because i looking back at 23 year old me i'm like (laughs) oh that man is a child like that man (laughs) has some work to do some (laughs) shit to explore first of all maybe someone should tell him he's a man it's fine he'll get there (laughs) like he's working on it but some work um and and that's another thing that i'm like wow no that is that really is a thing all
2: right cool (laughs)
0: So we're talking about like what kind of worries us or makes us nervous about aging now. But I'm wondering like when you were younger and you were thinking forward about like what it would be like to age, like specifically in the realm maybe of like sex and relationships, was there anything that you were like scared of that would happen? Any changes? Well,
1: so honestly, uh, I did not know it at the time, but I think um, looking back, I linked a lot, like, a lot of my dysphoria feelings I attributed to this weird feeling of aging, um, Mm -hmm. because thinking of growing up felt like growing into womanhood, like that is what I had been sold, Mm -hmm. um, and there was always just this degree of, I mean, fine, sure, I guess, like, (laughs) none, I, I, I couldn't picture it. And, like, there was an element of ADHD to that, and there was probably an element of dysphoria to that. Um, yeah. But there, I didn't really have any distinct fears. It just felt really foreign. Mm-hmm. And I think what's different now and what, what I find really interesting is, like, I don't have much of a fear around aging. I'm, like, kind of pumped. <laughs> um, because, like, because I can visualize myself as a queer elder like Mm -hmm. and there there are versions of the place and person that I can I don't know create for myself Mm
2: -hmm. that I'm
1: like oh no that is like the kind of person I aspire to be the kind of work I aspire to put into the world and those are the kind of things that take time and experience and age
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um and that's cool and exciting but at the time it just I don't know my (laughs) app, all of the options felt really foreign and weird.
0: Yeah. I think that like queers relationships to aging can be so different from straight people's for like so many reasons, like the second puberty stuff that I was talking about earlier. And also Mm. what you alluded to there with mentioning queer elders, like statistically uh, queer folks and especially trans folks and especially queer and trans folks of color, like don't tend to live as long as like more privileged folks. And so there is Mm -hmm. a sense of like, You know, time has shifted. Um, But also, like in straight culture, I feel like there's especially like all this shame heaped onto aging as it relates to desirability. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the incels and people of that nature will often talk about how like women who are in their early 20s or even late teens are like at their most sexually valuable, whatever the hell that means. Mm -hmm. And that it basically drops off after that. And, um, you know, women become more and more invisibilized in their sexuality and desirability as they get up into their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a really great educator, uh, Joan Price, who writes about sex and Mm -hmm. aging, who we have wanted to have on this show forever and have not quite gotten around to it yet. Um, But she's like, I consider her the expert when it comes to aging and sex, like above uh, our, you know, our age group. but. Um, Even at my age now, at 29, I mean, there are people on the internet who would say that my desirability is over and Mm -hmm. my prospects are dead and (laughs) uh, all of that stuff. And uh, even though, you know, I am married and like I, there's no shortage in my life of people who find me desirable, like that is still a fear for me. That is still a worry that I have, like this sort of mythical future where I will suddenly be so old and ugly that no one will want me. Um mm-hmm. and a lot of that is is related to the fact that women in our culture are largely told that like our value as people is related to how sexy and hot and desirable we are which sucks mm-hmm. and it's definitely something worth unpacking in therapy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um No, honestly like that makes a lot of sense and I definitely can empathize with like those desirability th- feelings but honestly all I could think while you were talking about men on the internet who would come after you for being 29 (laughs) is like how uninteresting fucking someone who exclusively is interested (laughs) in like (laughs) people who are like, and this is, this isn't shade towards people in their young twenties, but a great many of them are in the earlier parts of their sexual career. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's just some skill that comes with some experience. And I just, I don't know that I'd want to fuck them anyway. Is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a really someone who is like this is the
1: best sex I could possibly have <laughs> with people who have been at this for like a little while and are figuring it out. Right. Like I watch a lot of people fuck for a living, and <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people in their thirties, forties, and fifties who like know what they fucking like. Yeah. And know how to and then know how to make it happen, and are really fucking good at what they do. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point, And it's something that I think about a lot with regards to especially pickup artists is like, what is the goal of sex for those people? Because mm-hmm. if I mean, this is we're straying away from the topic of aging, but this is so interesting that I don't care. Um, it's like, why <laughs> that's are the you so for this show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um,
1: Dorky I just... discourse on we're straying away from the topic of anyway. <laughs>
0: I just don't really understand why they're so obsessed with, uh, you know, getting to the F clothes, as they call it, like getting to the part where mm-hmm. you fuck the person when the sex is not likely going to be all that good. Like as you were just alluding to there, like just because you find someone physically hot does not necessarily mean that they're good at sex or that they'll be good at the type of sex that you like to have. And it really seems like with pickup artists in particular, like it's about the conquest. It's about the status symbol of fucking someone Mm -hmm. hot. And like, I mean, I'm not a good person to speak on this because I've never been a very sexually visual person. Like, obviously, I do think certain people are cute and hot, but like it's not, you know, a deciding factor in my enjoyment of sex. Like that feels to me like a Mm -hmm. separate thing. Um, And I totally agree with you that. Uh, people who are older just tend to, like, know their shit better. Um, It might be because they have more experience, you know, learning how to physically do sex things that I like, but it also has a lot to do with their emotional growth Mm -hmm. and learning, you know, compromise and mutual pleasure and uh, communication and all that kind of stuff, which to me is so much more important to a good sex life than, like, does the person look hot. (laughs)
1: Mm Mm-hmm. There's also just, like, a degree of confidence that comes, I think, um, for many people with more experience that Mm -hmm. in just, like, understanding what they want and, and how to describe it in that, and, like, some of this might also be coming from I am a sex educator, so I have a lot of, like, wariness around people who, like having to do education work in my recreational sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that can also be uh, kind of complicated. But I do think there is something to be said for fucking people who, like, know themselves,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: is a thing that... 23-year-old me would roll their eyes at 30-year-old me saying it only takes time. But it's Mm -hmm. true, and I still want to roll my eyes at it, but
2: it's fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that unfortunately is one of those sayings that is just true. Um, Uh And honestly, like, some of the worst sex I've had in my life has been with very young men. Like, men Mm -hmm. in the age range of, like, 20 to 23 Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that part of it is because of that cultural message that's similar to the pickup artist thing, where like, once you get to the sex part, you've already done the part that is valuable or the part that, you know, makes you feel cool or whatever. And then you get to the actual Mm -hmm. sex part. And I think it's like, really different from what a lot of people expect it to be when they're young and like, not super experienced. Um, And You know, I just think, like, some of the young men I fucked seem to have no regard whatsoever for the idea that, like, I was a human being who was also trying to experience pleasure from that interaction (laughs) rather than Mm -hmm. just a trophy. And, like, I think that some of them would argue with me if I said that to them. They'd say, no, I view you as a human. And it's like, well, yeah, there's a difference between knowing that intellectually and, like, really, really knowing that and believing that and feeling that and acting upon that. Um, Well, (laughs) no, and I think think that also – can
1: come with a different understanding on both of your parts of what the pleasure of that experience is, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because again, we're talking about um, a mindset of what is valuable about this sex that I'm having is getting to tell people that I had it Mm
2: -hmm.
1: uh, and the social status that will come with it. So like the details of what happens now is not all that important. And you're also going to get to go tell people that you had this sex and you're also <laughs> going to get all of those benefits and it's going to be great. Um,
0: yeah, but I mean, how than... much social capital do I get from being like, I had bad sex last night with a 22 year old boy who didn't know what the clit was. <laughs> womp womp.
1: <laughs> yes, but he thinks he's very cool. Is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> like he thinks you get a great man uh, like uh, he okay. thinks you get a ton is the he thing thinks you're I'm gonna get to, go brag to, to all your girls <laughs> yeah exactly about uh, how big his dick was or something i don't know <laughs> um so and like you know, we're roasting these people, and it's fucked up. And also, it's the story they've been sold by all of media and most of the people in their life. Yeah, um, Like, not explicitly, but sex is treated like a status symbol. Um, although sometimes explicitly.
2: <laughs> um,
1: so, again, I think with it is a thing that... Over a great many experiences built up over time has led me to explore other things. And for me, sex is about embodied pre- pleasure and connection and, and relationships and, and fun and play and curiosity and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and to find someone who has had a great many similar experiences and come to that same place generally doesn't happen with younger folks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely like one of the greatest gifts that aging has given me in terms of sexuality is I no longer take it as a given that sex is inherently good. Um, Mm -hmm. I no longer am like, well, sex is what I'm supposed to want. So I guess I should want it. I guess I should chase it and pursue it and have it Mm -hmm. even if I don't really feel like having it because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And part of that is like, there's narratives about like, Get it while you're young, like have all the wild sex and go on all the wild dates while you're young or you're like wasting your years. And I do want to, you know, shout out here that like that's not necessarily true. And I think that that can be particularly like painful and difficult to hear if you are like queer or trans or like otherwise just going through periods of time in your youth that are Mm -hmm. hard and you're like hearing from everybody like these should be the best years of your life like especially like sexually romantically and you're like that's not my reality am i wasting my life like no Mm -hmm. you can always like you know reclaim that time later on and uh it won't quite be the same but like nobody's sexual experience is exactly the same as anybody else's like it's always going to be unique to you and that's okay
1: yeah, and I think we're leaning a lot on, like, I don't know, with age comes all of this growth and experience and all of that. Um, I, I think it is also, like, yes, I've definitely come uh, to the similar place you were talking about around sex, like, not being good in and of itself. It is just one of the many fun things I can do. But I've also noticed... um that I've come back around to a lot of things as I age that I enjoyed in, like, you know, childhood or teenage years or, like, young adulthood, where I that I had a moment where I felt too old for those things.
0: Mm. Um, like what? Can you share some or examples? Like,
1: I don't know. I'm trying to think about... And not even too old... Okay, well, so lately I've been exploring um, a lot more, like, woo stuff. Like, I'm fairly into astrology. Um, Mm -hmm. I, like, meditate and, like, mindful-type things. um, Mm -hmm. And, like, bringing more magic into my life, which is a thing I was raised in somewhat. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have some... I have a complicated relationship with my mother, who is the person who brought all of that into my life. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of time that I spent away from it, uh, mm-hmm. and also there's a lot of complicated masculinity feelings in there, mm. um, and a lot of just complicated queer feelings about spirituality in general. Yeah. Um, so even though, um, like, what draws me to this is its connection often to queerness. Um, And so, like, pretty much all the witches I work with are queer and things like that. Um, But that is a thing that, like, is about joy and connection. And um, there are a lot of other, like, frivolous things that, um, you know, I would, like feel very silly for when I was a little, you know, in my young 20s, because I was a grown up and exploring masculinity <laughs> and all of these things. And now yeah. I'm like, ah, I can, ah, whatever, like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm through that. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I actually was just thinking today that like, one thing I weirdly miss lately is a connection to like my spirituality and very mm-hmm. woo types of things that I used to do. And I do think it is related to what you were just saying about like, self judgment, Um, And Mm -hmm. it is something that sort of comes with age sometimes is the feeling that we should like put away our childish things. But what I thought you were going to say was like sex acts that are regarded as more juvenile, which like Mm -hmm. we've talked often on the show about how we think that's bullshit, particularly in reference to things like hand jobs or fingering or even dry Mm -hmm. humping, which are seen as like consolation prize sex acts that you only would do if you didn't have the ability or access to do other things. Uh, which mm-hmm. is just not true. Like, a finger banging from an adult who knows how to finger bang? Oh, my God. Chef's kiss. Incredible. Yeah. Like, underrated. Yeah. I w- would almost never say no to that. Uh, <laughs> however, a finger banging from a 22-year-old boy? Uh, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's a new season of Baking Show on Netflix. I, it's- <laughs>
0: Well, this leads me to – actually, it's not related at all, but in my head it was related. Um, I know that something that we both play with in our kink lives is age play, uh, Mm -hmm. which in our case is usually role playing as someone younger than us, although I do like to point out just for funsies that age play can be just role playing as anyone whose age is different from who you are. I heard a story Mm -hmm. once about a couple role playing as like an elderly couple who are celebrating their golden anniversary. Which oh. I thought was really sweet. Like, not my kink, but yeah. I was like, wow, how interesting. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering, like, what is the interaction between, like, aging in your real life versus age play in your kink life? Like, do you feel different doing age play now than you might have at a younger age? Or, you know, do, do you feel – I don't know. What's the interaction there?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I I mean, I do think my kind of – I like – I've gotten more settled into what age play looks like for me as I've gotten a little bit older, and I think part of that is exploring my kinks, and part of that is putting a little bit of distance between me and the age I roleplay, because I tend to roleplay, like, late teen, um, like, late teen years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, high school age kind of, uh, like, I don't know, breakfast club vibes kind of <laughs> things. Um, mm mm-hmm. So all, all of that, like, cliche idea of high high school that none of us actually had, <laughs> uh, making out under the bleachers and, you know, getting bullied by, like, the hot jocks and whatever, like, that kind of shit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this, the, the high school that never was. Um, and I think, so I think part of, A, that took exploring, because I had heard about age play in high school um, with uh, my first girlfriend, Mm -hmm. Uh, had been into it and like had alluded to it and we hadn't talked about it a lot. Um, but like I was aware it was a thing and I am who I am. So I immediately learned as much as I could, um, (laughs) and listened to like the big little podcast and that sort of thing. And they were like, um, the two hosts of that show tend to be like babies. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was like, this is cool, but, like, not quite? I don't know. Um, And then I started hearing about teen stuff on there and meeting other kinksters and that sort of thing. um, And that started to resonate a lot more. Mm -hmm. But I think, and and I think it really kind of, like, gained, like, started to take shape when I no longer also felt like a teenager.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have similar thoughts, but in different ways. Like I do think that the distance between me and the age that I prefer to roleplay as is a big factor in me feeling comfortable roleplaying as that age. Because like mm-hmm. when I think about sex I had in like my early twenties, early to mid twenties, um, because of cultural misogyny, like I felt a lot of pressure to be a mature, cool girl, um, mm-hmm. and even to be a little bit like bossier and sassier. Uh, than I actually am when I was on dates with people, uh, because I just really wanted to assert, like, I may look like a young girl, but like, I'm a fucking strong ass adult. Um, uh-huh. and so as part of that, like, I always felt weird, uh, like role playing as a little girl, even though like, I mean, you could talk about nature versus nurture, but I believe now, like. Uh, there's some part of me that was like inborn interested in like DDLG dynamics. Like I've always been Mm -hmm. drawn to them in some form or another. Um, but it took me so long to become comfortable with it. And I mean, there is something that feels in some ways regressive about like role playing as a little girl when I'm like a strong feminist woman. But then of course I remind myself that, you know, it's consensual and it's something I'm choosing and I have agency to choose. Mm -hmm. And so it's feminist. Um, but, yeah, I definitely felt, like, a resistance to playing that role. And also, like, I was having a lot of casual sex around that age. And, like, it is a vulnerable thing. Um, and I wasn't mm-hmm. really going to tell some Tinder bro who, as far as I know, is completely vanilla that, like, oh, yeah, sometimes I kind of lapse into, like, a little girl persona when I'm fucking. Like, don't, don't worry about it. Like, not only because that would have mm-hmm. been really vulnerable, but also because, like, I don't know if he's okay with that. I don't want to, like, make him uncomfortable either. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people are, like, super not comfortable with that. And that's fine. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think like the older I've gotten, the more I have become comfortable with the idea that like, I can be a badass boss lady in my everyday life and also be a little girl in my sex life. But also on the flip Mm -hmm. side of that, I don't have to be a badass boss lady all the time. Like that's another thing I've learned through aging is like, it's almost like that little girl who I role play as has taught me some lessons as well, like about Mm -hmm. the power and necessity even of vulnerability and softness and- Um, childlike wonder and all that kind of stuff. Like, I really feel like Mm -hmm. I've learned more from her as I've gotten older. And it's just made me all the more comfortable with age play, which is nice.
1: Yeah, and I think, I don't know, that kind of growth you were describing at the end there um, comes with, I don't know, for me at least, not a need to... Like, prove to both yourself and the world that you are that badass boss. Mm-hmm. That you just know that. Yeah, and it's fine. <laughs> and like I, like I don't know. For me, there is a degree of jadedness, I guess, if that's a word. Um, <laughs> but a degree of like, yeah, no, I'm a competent adult. It's fine. <laughs> if you don't believe, like, you don't need to whatever, I will continue to be a competent adult. It's actually quite exhausting. (laughs) I'd I'd rather not, but it's still happening. So I don't, like, just this degree of, I'm well assured in the fact that, no, I've I've been through the trauma. I'm an adult. Yeah, no. (laughs) Uh, I experienced, I experienced all of it. Um, Yeah. That uh, I think, yeah, makes it, feel a little safer to do things that either you or other people might view as juvenile because it doesn't feel like something that I don't know feels like kind felt like kind of a valid criticism when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I'm not juvenile probably.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean the influences that I've surrounded me with have taught me that like we're all juvenile at one time or another in our lives. Mm -hmm. And like, if we're not probably like we should consider, you know, trying it. Um, Because Mm -hmm. people who just go through their lives being competent adults, every minute of every day, if that works for them, cool. But I wonder if it does. Like, I, (laughs) I kind of think we all could use some version, some personal version that works for us of going into little space or like you know, watching cartoons or mm-hmm. coloring coloring books. Like I really feel like our brains are so keyed up in this culture. Like I wish that people were more comfortable with accessing their juvenile sides from time to time.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't even have to look like typical quote unquote childish kind of things, mm-hmm. right? Um, it can be, engaging your creativity in you know a craft or an art or a something it can be you know uh playing a game whether it's a board game or a video game or you know whatever but something that is just for the joy of it um and just about like connecting with people um Mm -hmm. i think can can fill a similar void
0: yep You know, I thought we were going to talk more about kind of the mechanical aspects of aging and in classic us fashion, like we've gotten into the more psychological parts of it. But I do want to kind of touch on like the physiological stuff, Um, Mm -hmm. because like one of the main things I've been noticing with regards to aging and sex is like over the years, it has gotten a lot harder for me to get turned on and to reach orgasm. And there are a lot of factors involved in that. I mean, like the Trump era really knocked a lot of libido out of a lot of us Uh uh, as did the coronavirus era. Um, But as far as I understand, that is also, for many people, a natural process that happens with aging. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I don't really have a ton of advice on this, except that what I've found helpful is incorporating a lot more fantasy, a lot more foreplay, more lube, more sex toys, stronger vibrations um and also like it's extra important more important than ever before in my life to know what works for me like there were definitely mm-hmm. times in my teens when like I was so sensitive and my orgasm was like a hair trigger where like I could do something that, like sort of felt good and it would probably get me there <laughs> and that's just not the case anymore like I really have to mm-hmm. optimize but I mean there's something fun in that as well
1: Hmm. yeah I mean I feel like feel like i can't contribute honestly a ton um because my experience of aging was puberty dose right so <laughs> um d- kind of a uh particular path to take on that one mm-hmm. um and i and honestly like so yeah i went through the roller coaster with my sex drive that you would expect um dirt, being on tea in that like I had a fairly high sex drive in my early 20s, and also, to to an extent, I do wonder how much of that is kind of what we were talking about earlier, right? Sex is supposed to be the thing that you want. It is the ultimate fun. It is this kind of stand-in for connection, I think, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I was craving a lot of things, and not just sex in that time, and calling it sex. Um, But we'll say I had a fairly high libido. (laughs) Uh, And then I started injecting testosterone into my body, so that (laughs) skyrocketed. Right. Uh, And then it balanced back out. And I do think that also um, the past two years, my whole day job has been sex. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, again, particularly uh, unique experience, however, will also kill your sex drive um yeah like it's just you're like oh yeah sure fine um like it's like yeah i guess that's hot sure everything's hot all the time i don't know whatever (laughs) like
0: yeah when i like try new sex toys or whatever even if i'm trying to have like sort of a luxuriant self-pleasure session i too often just like go into sex toy critic mode and can't turn it off And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that I feel like I always could do better at is, like, dedicating more time and brain space to non-goal-oriented, just, like, self-pleasure exploration, which is something that we tell Mm -hmm. people to do all the time as sex educators. Like, devote time Mm -hmm. to pleasuring yourself and taking time for yourself. Um, But it is just so hard when it's also your job because it doesn't feel like leisure time like I have like three sex toys I have to review right now because I've been paid to review them and I'm just Mm -hmm. like oh I don't know if I want to jerk off that sounds that sounds like work
1: (laughs) well and then if you jerk off with a toy that's not them there's a part of your brain that's always like just wasting this orgasm exactly it could be exactly you could be multitasking right now you would be getting work done And enjoying yourself and having an orgasm. That's not true. (laughs) That's not, it's a lie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism
1: lies just like depression.
0: (laughs) Yep. I feel like I've also gotten much more utilitarian about sex in older age, uh, in that Mm -hmm. like when I was younger, I was much more focused on uh, having sex that would like appear to be very passionate from the outside you know, it would look like a scene from a, you know, sexy soap opera or a, or a softcore porn scene or something. And nowadays, like, sex is still very passionate and very pleasurable. It's just like, I, I'll do the things that, like, actually feel good and actually get me off, which might not look super passionate or romantic. Like, it might be things like, Something I do all the time, almost every time I have sex, is, like, my partner will, like, sit between my legs and, like, fuck me with a dildo while I use a vibrator. Which, like, Mm -hmm. in the early days of my sex life, I would always be kind of, like, bummed out when I, quote-unquote, had to get off that way because it Mm -hmm. felt like an unromantic way to get off or something. Like, I felt like I should be getting off from, like, my partner's dick or, like, my partner's mouth or my partner's fingers or, like, I should be getting off while our bodies are, like, really close together and grinding against each other or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. um... It it at first bothered me that like sometimes I felt I had to have sex in a way that really resembled how I masturbate more so than Mm -hmm. how I would prefer to have partnered sex. But like now I'm just my vibe is like I just I just want to have sex that like feels good and gets me off and like also makes my partner happy and like I don't need it to like look a certain way. I'm much less like. Uh, in my own head about how it appears and how other people would think about it and other people would perceive mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm much more like, if we both like it, who the fuck cares? Like, that's all. Yep,
1: <laughs> yep. there's definitely a degree of like, I don't, that's just, uh, that's a lot to think about. I don't, yeah. I just, I'm just here to have sex is the thing. <laughs> I
2: just,
1: <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need all that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think like part of, You know, these worries comes from the fact that like we both have done porn and done like sexy Mm -hmm. photo shoots and all that kind of stuff where there is a pressure to be, you know, visually demonstrative. Um, And Mm -hmm. I've learned like, you know, I do occasional cam shows now and I have learned that like. I almost don't want to say this because I'm worried that it's going to get me fewer cam clients. But like since we're (laughs) talking about it, I do sometimes fake orgasms during cam shows. And the reason Mm -hmm. is like the things that are visually exciting are not the things that get me off. Like they're (laughs) just not. If I'm going to get off in a cam show, I probably have to like hold a vibrator still on my clit for like a good 15 to 20 minutes while like doing stuff with a dildo. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just not that exciting. I mean, I've watched porn of me. It's, I mean, it depends on what you're into, I guess, but it's just not that visually interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think when I'm having sex with partners now, I'm like much less concerned about that. (laughs) Like, I'm like, well, you said that you wanted me to get off. So I'm going to get off. I'm going to do what it (laughs) takes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I, I definitely the kind of stuff I do on camera is very different from the kind of stuff I do alone, like, even, like, my solo stuff, like, if I'm doing things on camera, I often, like, I'm an exhibitionist, too, like, I will do stuff on camera because I like how I look on camera and want to, like, watch myself and whatever, uh, and then I'm, like, doing weird shit, because I'm like, look at how cool that shot looks, and then I'm done, and I'm like, I can't feel my legs, <laughs> um, <laughs> So that's not, like, the sexiest shit I do. Mm-hmm. If I'm, like, just here to get off, my face is buried in a pillow and, like, my ass is in the air under my weighted blanket and, <laughs> like, three minutes and we're done. Like, no one's see- no one seeing anything. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely think... Um, yeah, I don't know. And I think I've been able to kind of... I guess with that age, I've recognized that those two things can be two different things. Mm-hmm. And like, there is value in all of these different kinds of sex that I can engage in. Yep. Um, and like, I can come to sex for different reasons and it will look different ways when I do.
0: Yep. Yep. An important lesson. I want to talk a little bit about disability discourse before we uh, ask one final mm-hmm. question. Um, because there is a lot of overlap between aging and sex discourse and disability and sex discourse, uh, because like a lot of the, you know, problems that you may encounter as you get older that could inhibit your sex life are also related to disability related factors. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, there's a lot of resources out there on disability and sex, the disability after dark podcast, uh, hosted by Drew Gerza is great. Um, I can speak on this a little bit because like my chronic pain condition has gotten worse and worse as I've gotten older. Uh, And it's really frustrating. Like at at 28, like I do feel older in my body than I thought I Mm -hmm. would feel at 28. Um, I am much more easily exhausted because of like whatever chronic illness I have. That's probably fibromyalgia, but I have no diagnosis Mm -hmm. because the fucking (laughs) medical (laughs) industrial system sucks. Um, Uh And, like, there's pain to deal with, and I'm much less flexible. I'm, I'm not able to do uh, acrobatic positions and stuff that I used to attempt when I was younger. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so it has become even more important for me to readjust my priorities, like I was talking about earlier, with regards to, like, sex not needing to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very blessed that, like, my spouse has – a mentality that they really want me to be comfortable and experiencing genuine pleasure when we have sex. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that is not how, like, most people in my experience feel about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just want to validate that, like, if you want to have sex as just, like, comfy and chill, like, you deserve that. And I hope that you are able to find someone who's cool with that. Um, And I'm also very lucky that my partner is very open to, like, uh, certain Adaptations, whether it be like putting a pillow under my knees uh, during a spanking, or um, adapting to certain—like I, I used to—I <laughs> feel like it's very uncool to admit that when I do PIV, I pretty much only ever do two to maybe three different positions. It makes me feel like a bad sex educator or something. But like, I mean, those are the ones that I can do. <laughs> like, those are yeah. the ones that my broken old body can do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, no, I I, I don't even know how many I would generally, like, I don't, I definitely felt much more desire to, like, go through and try all of the positions
2: mm-hmm.
1: when I was much younger. Yeah. I was like, there are so many options, and now I'm like, I don't know, are there really even positions it's just i don't know where's your body like (laughs) fiddle your body into a way that works against mine great (laughs) this is fine this is what we're doing
0: yeah i think it's sort of like that thing where you draw the alphabet on someone's vulva with your tongue and Uh it's, it's frequently misunderstood as like there's something inherently pleasurable about tracing the alphabet on someone's clit, which is like not really what it is. It's an exercise for finding which strokes they respond to. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like that about some of my like early 20s, late teens sexual explorations where it's like, I'm really glad I did a bunch of really wild stuff, including absurd sex positions that I could never comfortably get into now because I learned Mm -hmm. what works for me. And like, it was fun at the time um which is how it hopefully always should be for everyone like it should be you know enjoyable to experiment hopefully um mm-hmm. but it's also okay to try something and be like you know what nope never again <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, i have a scene in uh one of my videos uh where i was fucking my friend blackson and they try to do this like very porny thing where they have me like bent over in front of them and grab both my arms like at the wrist and pull them back so that I like arch my back and have my arms back. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, great and looks, like, real hot for about 15 seconds, except I'm much shorter than them. <laughs> so I just immediately go from there and go, nope, no, no. Nope. <laughs> I just lay it down on the bed and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm too short for that shit. Absolutely not. And then we <laughs> just kept fucking. Um, and I left it in because it makes me laugh every time.
0: Yeah, I think that it's really nice seeing uh, more representation in porn of, like, the fact that sex is not always slick and smooth and... Mm-hmm romantic and effortless um there's just this common perception that sex is something that happens without any effort or without any communication or without any mess ups or difficulties uh the canadian sexologist dr sue johansson used to say uh sex is perfectly natural but not naturally perfect and i love that Mm -hmm. it's so true i love that and I think, like, porn, like, the porn you were just describing making, as well as, like, stuff on Make Love Not Porn and a lot of other, like, indie porn creations are really leading the charge in terms of showing people that, like, sex can be giggly and weird and messy and silly and it's still hot and it's still fun and it's still okay. Mm-hmm.
1: That's something I'm loving a lot about seeing a lot of the independent creators now, too. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like there is less of a demand to kind of create these polished videos. I know a lot of the independent sex workers I talk to, um, and myself included, get more attention on the, like... Dirty mirror selfies and things we take with our phone Then we do stuff with, like, <laughs> fancy cameras and professional setups and everything. Like, yeah. that stuff appeals to other sex workers who are like, oh, your art! I love it! It's beautiful! <laughs> yeah. People who are tricking off are like, give me your, like, grimy selfies, please. Thank you. Um, I want it to look authentic with a million scare quotes around it. <laughs> um, but I do think that is creating this really great market for content that is, like, independently produced and shows and role models that experience of just um being able to adjust in the moment and say actually no not this or like hey maybe not because if you've never seen someone say that and have it be okay you don't know how to say it and know that it's going to be okay
0: yeah yeah totally porn should show no's and knows being respected that's mm-hmm. hugely important It's crucial to consent education. Yeah. I'm hoping Mm -hmm. for more of that in the future. Um, And speaking of the future, one last question before we sign off. Um, Just in general, what are you looking forward to in terms of sex and relationships as you get older? And that can be as far in the future as you would like.
1: I'm looking forward to getting to grow with my community and continue to connect with people um, who like I really, really click with um, and, and I'm like, I'm speaking, I mean, that I'm speak, that can be taken broadly as well, but I'm speaking specifically in the kink community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm thinking a lot of what I was talking about earlier with imagining myself in, like, the future that I want to bring into the world. And I would like to um, be able to grow old and continue contributing to the kink community in a way that feels really valuable to me. And I don't know what that will look at, look like throughout the years. Um, but I know service is very important to me. Um, just from a uh like from a kink standpoint and also just kind of a moral standpoint mm-hmm. um and I- i'm learning more and more that the ways that i can direct that and i'm excited to see where that
0: goes yeah i'm proud of you for your involvement in the Beagle society and all your workshops mm. and i really think that you're changing the sexual landscape and i'm proud of
1: oh, you oh thanks <laughs>
0: thanks friend I think my main theme as far as sexuality and aging is I'm really interested in pleasures that are sensual and not necessarily sexual, mm. um, especially since, as I mentioned, like my orgasm threshold seems to get higher and higher by the year, and I have anxiety about that despite the fact that my spouse is super chill about it. Um, and also, you know, increasingly, there are just days when due to pain or stress or whatever, like I'm just like, my genitals just don't feel like being touched right now. Like Mm -hmm. I I definitely have days when I feel stone in the old school sense of stone Mm -hmm. butch, stone femme. Um, And uh, there are definitely relationships from my past where I might've felt really shitty about that and pressured to like push through that. And in this Mm -hmm. relationship, I feel very for the most part at peace with saying, I actually don't want any genital touch tonight and like figuring out a different Thing to do. And so I'm very interested in, you know, heavy beatings that induce subspace and some kind of pleasure that's not necessarily sexual or, you know, boot blacking mm-hmm. or human furniture play or e stim or wax or, you know, all these things that like create really strong sensations, whether physically or emotionally or both, um, that don't necessarily need my genitals to be like to- totally awake and in good working order because they're just not all the time anymore. And that's fine. <laughs>
1: hmm yeah i'm excited to see you explore that too thank
0: you okay that is all thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the dildorks i hope that you're all doing well i'm in a good mood post-inauguration i know that there's a lot that still needs to happen and nothing is perfect and joe biden certainly is not perfect but i just i feel optimistic and very loving this week <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that heavy sigh yeah. there's just so much in that heavy heavy sigh yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it's it's been honestly such a pleasure to be podcasting through all this mess i think we mm-hmm. started podcasting uh like right before Trump was elected. It was September, 2016. So like, Mm -hmm. we've been doing this show through the entire administration and it's, it's just been such a lovely like avenue for sexual exploration and like radical opinions and stuff in a, you know, cultural space that was really trying to tamp down on all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being here for us. And thank you Bex for, for doing this with me. Oh, thank you for doing it with me too. I got all feelsy at the end there. I don't know. (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: My name is Kate Sloan. I have a sex blog at girlyjuice.net. I read a newsletter called Submissives. Uh, This past week, I wrote a poem that was about uh, how the Trump administration reminded me of my childhood experiences with emotional abuse. And uh, I haven't written a poem in like a good long while, but it felt really good to write it. Um, And you can read that at katesloan.substack.com. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Where is your stuff?
1: I'm Bex. You can find my writing and information about my workshops at bextalksex.com. And you can find all that porn I mentioned earlier and uh, a lot more uh, under Billy Lore on Twitter, um, which will link you to all of the other important places. Uh, Together we're the Dildorks. You can find us at thedildorks.com or throw money at us at patreon.com slash thedildorks.
0: Thank you so much to Protodome, who did our theme song. His music is at protodome.bandcamp.com. Thank you to Amy, who did our logo. She is at starboots underscore on Twitter, and she has some very good tweets in addition to her very good art. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: It's fine, I'll
1: figure it out. Presumably I'll say something clever, or you'll edit well. Either way.